Hey super friends, my name is Neil and welcome to this episode 75 of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of film, TV and pop culture goodness from our studio direct to your speakers. I'm flying solo this week as Boy Wonder is busy with work, but I've got some backup in the form of James and two really cool interviews for Universal Studios' Beast starring Idris Elba, which is currently in UK cinemas. But before we get down to that, I wanted to cover off a couple of news stories that have broken in the last couple of weeks. First up, despite having only aired one episode at the time I'm recording this, HBO Max has renewed Game of Thrones spin-off House of the Dragon for a second season. The second episode will air here in the UK on Monday the 29th of August. Uh, it airs on uh, Sky and Now TV. You can simulcast it or watch it kind of in the evening. Uh, so it's simulcast at like 2am aside when it goes out on HBO in the US. I have seen episode one. Boy Wonder will watch the entire season. I've kind of checked out on it already because if you've listened to this podcast before, you'll know I'm not the biggest fan of Game of Thrones. Uh, just when they're talking rather than, you know, stabbing. So I watched the first episode. The production values are amazing. It looks and feels like Game of Thrones in a new setting, but it just, it isn't for me. But it's very exciting news that uh, HBO are so confident in the launch of the series that they've doubled down and it will be back for a second season after the first 10 episodes have aired across the rest of this year. More frustration for DC fans at the moment as it has also been confirmed that both Shazam, Fury of the Gods and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom are shifting release dates once again. So Aquaman had been due to release on March the 17th, 2023. That film now finds itself releasing on Christmas Day 2023. That will likely not be the UK release date. That probably means it will release the kind of nearest big release date to Christmas here in the UK. Of course, in the US, Christmas, much less of a big deal, and so cinemas are open on that day. Uh, and in its place, Shazam! Fury of the Gods moves back from its December 2022 release date to take the March 17th, 2023 release date, which Aquaman has just moved from. Now, no real reason has been given for either of these moves. Aquaman director... Um, James Wan has said he's kind of superstitiously happy about the move because the first Aquaman did release in December 2018 and did obviously go on to gross a, over a billion dollars at the box office so it was a kind of Christmas holiday hit so he has said he's cautiously optimistic just because it's putting the character back where he was successful the first time around with Shazam! Fury of the Gods, um, director David Sandberg has said the film will be ready in the next few weeks. So it was it was good to go for its December 2021... Uh, 21? What year am I in? It's December 2022 release date. But what he has said is, although it's frustrating that the film will shift back by an extra kind of three months, it does mean that Shazam! will benefit from being able to be screened on IMAX screens, particularly in the US, um, where... In December of this year, the entire of IMAX is essentially already bought out by the release of 20th Century Studios' Avatar sequel. So there's kind of swings and roundabouts to both of these. It's sad that we're going to have to wait longer for both of them, particularly Aquaman, which is now something like 16 months away. But hopefully both of these moves will, in the end, benefit them being able to have a bigger impact on the box office and be more successful. 
But I want to know what you think of these latest moves. You can get in touch with us at at GetYourComicCon on both Twitter and Instagram, or you can find me on both platforms as at NeilVag. That's N-E-I-L-V-A-G-G. Get in touch and let me know what you think about these latest moves from Warner Brothers Discovery and whether you're still excited for the long wait for these upcoming DC titles. Don't forget, we do still get Black Adam in October of this year, which is very exciting. And DC League of Super Pets, which also stars The Rock, is now available to purchase on digital platforms you can also rent and will be coming to disc in October. Now on to some much more exciting news. We were recently invited to take part in the press junket for Universal Pictures Beast which stars Idris Elba. You may have seen the trailer around at the cinemas. It basically features Idris Elba punching a lion and that's become the sort of go-to image for this movie. It also stars Leah Jeffries as uh, Idris Elba's daughter Nora and Ayana Halley as his other daughter Meredith and Shalto Copley stars as old friend of his uh, Martin Battles. Basically the premise of this film is that Idris Elba uh, is a widower. He takes his two daughters to South Africa to his uh, wife's homeland. He goes with the intention of visiting their old family friend, uh, so played by Shalto Copley, and to take the girls on safari to see some of the wildlife in South Africa. Uh, it goes horribly wrong uh, for for reasons which are explained in the film, and then basically it becomes a survival movie. The poster says it really well. One ordinary father, no ordinary animal, pray for survival. Uh, and what kind of transpires is this really excellent 90 minutes of very, very tense kind of cat and mouse across these beautiful South African landscapes. The film was written by uh, Ryan Engel and Jamie Prime Mark Sullivan and directed by Balthazar Kormakur. That's a name that you might well know. So he has also directed a number of very big titles, including Two Guns, which starred Denzel Washington and Mark Wahlberg, which was released back in 2013. Unfortunately, I was going to say unfortunately, but it's not unfortunate for James. It's unfortunate for me. Uh, I couldn't get the time off work to be able to attend the junket for this one. So James went along and he was able to interview director Balthazar Komakur and also the film's producer, or one of the film's producers, I should say, Will Packer, who is an old friend and longtime collaborator of Idris Elba's. So I'm going to play both of his interviews now so you can have a listen to what happened first when he spoke to director Balthazar and then to producer Will. James did an amazing job on these interviews. If you want to watch the video versions, they are both available now over on our YouTube channel. But uh, enjoy. Hi, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today Pleasure. about uh, Beast. Um, I was just wondering, as a director, what was it like trying to create this illusion that the cast were being hunted especially when you're dealing with um kind of younger actresses like um uh, leah who played Nora, uh, nora um what was that like trying to create that dynamic on set well i think first of all it's a lot of preparation and, and uh, to scale it and, and one of the things that i don't like about you know when some children are sometimes on film in, in apparel that they're screening throughout so i was trying to balance that and find the real danger but i think people in danger also get used to danger you know they 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 might scream in the beginning and then they calm down and you just can't go on like that. But I, I tend to annoy me when they do that too much in film. So I was balancing that down. But but I, I think it's all about the prep and understanding and what, what exactly where is the lion. And we, of course, have people and, and lion heads and everything to kind of... Yeah. But that's acting, you know, in the end. It doesn't really matter also. You might be doing a scene about someone who died and you have to imagine that as well. So, yeah. so I think it's, it's just a little more physical. 
and 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 because the way I choose to shoot the film, it also needed even more more prep because it's in long takes and therefore we have to be we can't cut around it. We have to be very precise with exactly what what's happening in the frame. Everyone interacting with the line or even responding to it, it was it made it feel so real and immersive. And one of the things I loved so much about it, and I was somewhat surprised by it, was the decision to shoot in Africa. With rising technologies, um, I thought it was such a good idea to do that. And what do you think that decision will do for the audience when they check out Beast? Well, first of all, I think in some way, the further we move from reality, the, the less uh, visceral experience you will have on film. And all these great screens and, you know, uh, well, they're coming up with a union, with a motor, I think it doesn't go for reality. It's like you can, you can draw a person in a computer, but you're not going to get it real. So, I want, so, so having that, I wanted to create a baseline, a baseline that is reality. And, and it's happening where it's happening. And then, because we needed to create the lion, the, we would, the baseline would pull us to us real as the technique today can. Right. And, and it's the same I did with Everest when I did that film. It's, it's, I, I climbed as high as we could, I took the actors through all, everything I could, and then we needed to augment it with, with visual effects, yep. but only to, to finish off the job, not, not to start. And I, when, I think when you start that, you, you remove yourself in a way from reality in a way that nothing seems, not even the hairdo seems real anymore, or, or the makeup and the face of the actor. And I, I feel like that's the danger of once you remove yourself and you start doing everything in, only in, in, in camera and technique. Yeah. Um, looking at like the family dynamic as well, um, which you touched upon briefly, it was so refreshing to have such a deep kind of um, connection with the characters. Um, were there any concerns over prioritization where you didn't want the family element to completely consume uh, Beast, but also you didn't want it to be completely forgotten about? And um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's it's that's a that's a kind of a, a, a act a balance act, you know. You need to be very aware. And for some people, it might be too too much or too little, and that's the way it is. But for me, I was like trying to balance that in sense because without one, the other doesn't work. So in the beginning, you have to connect with these people, yeah. so you care about them when they're in peril. But at the same time, you can't just put that and forget about it once you're in in the situation. So it was it was and that was uh, you know a challenge of balancing. But for me, it's also what this the movie is about. It's a metaphor of you know overcoming obstacles and difficulties and and work together instead of against each other. And and I think family in grief or in trauma, uh, they is, uh, are falling apart. And now. It's about how you, you know, the, the, the challenges that you meet actually uh, pull you together. And I know this from firsthand. This is what happens. And, and I, I wanted to, 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 to build that throughout the film so the beast is almost like a metaphor of, yeah. of the trauma, you know. It worked so well. And just to kind of round off, um, I had a two-hour journey to think about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, my answer is Orca. If you were to put your, um, put your feet in kind of Nate Samuels' shoes, what would be your worst kind of predator to go up against? What would be your worst fear? Well, I've, I've faced uh, sharks, 60 bull sharks, and that didn't scare me too much. I, uh, the, you know, because in the end of the day, and actually I, I faced an elephant in Africa outside my where I was staying who was got aggressive, and, and I actually stood him down in a way. I didn't run away, and, and, it, it, and he ended up backing up. So all these animals can be really dangerous. I do think a lion 
in that situation because I did go into a lion's cage. That lion didn't like me, oh. it, and I didn't feel very, <laughs> very strong or very masculine when I backed out of that cage. You know, so so I think there's something about lions that they because they're cats as well. Yeah, that they makes them very unpredictable. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't like snakes very much, no. to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. How you doing, bro? Nice yeah. kicks. I like those. Thank you. Lego. I'm a, I'm a big old, big old kid. So. I like it, man. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Good to meet you. How's it been here? Um, Good. Enjoying London. I love London. London's amazing. Yeah, oh, I love coming here. Um, the fact that I can work with somebody like uh, like Idris Elba, right? Who's you know obviously he's a big star around the world. Yes. But then coming to his home and releasing a film, he and I have done done. This is our sixth movie together. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So. Coming here and celebrating him is cool. Um, 2007 and 2009, but I didn't realize it, you had that many together. Wow. Yes. How long has that um, kind of partnership been? 17 years, apparently. I just learned that today. We have been <laughs> making movies for 17 years. Wow. Yeah. And looking at um, kind of Idris's role, yeah. um, how easy was it to find uh, Dr. Nate Samuels? Or was it an instant sort of, I know? I know who it is. Oh, it was Idris, no question. <laughs> it was Idris or nobody. There wasn't like one, two, three, who else could do it, no. This was absolutely, it was his role. It was, he was the first and only call I made. I called him very early, before we were even completed with the script, before I had a director on board. But he and I have got a shorthand. We've got a good thing from all the movies we've done together. We trust each other. And he knows if I call him that I'm excited about it. I don't call him, you know, often. I only out call him if I got yeah. something big. Yeah, I called him out of the blue on this one when I was still developing it and figuring it out. And uh, he was very, very intrigued. And so together he helped us to kind of hone that character. We brought our director, Baltazar, on board, who really helped to complete shaping the narrative. And then, of course, go with the execution of the film. And looking at um, the relationship between like audiences and these kind of larger-than-life survival movies, Man yeah. versus Beast, what is it about that kind of genre of movie that you think keeps bringing audiences back again and again? It's fun escapism, you know? It's the what-if, uh, especially when you do it right. Like, there's the super, super cheesy B-movie version of a movie like this, but then there's also, like, the more... Uh, grounded, real stakes, experiential version, and I think we're certainly closer to the latter. Um, and I think people, um, they want to take the journey. They want to take the trip. They want to be invested and see themselves in those characters and, and be brought right up into the brink of, of, you know, of destruction, but then get away. I think that's, you know, when cinema is at its best, it takes us to that place of escapism and takes us on that thrill ride, and that's what this movie is. I think what I loved about beast um so much is that it really felt like you were immersed in kind of uh, the plains of africa with these characters yeah and the decision to go on set into into the you know um heart of africa um what how important was that decision uh, when bringing beast to life yeah super important you know, we knew that the lion was going to be CGI. We always knew that. And so we had conversations very early on that if we're going to have such an important element, our main protagonist, a character in the movie is going to be computer generated, let's make everything else authentic. Let's make everything else real. Now, it's easier said than done because to do that, you have to go out. When you look at the movie, you see these wide scope shots of incredible vistas. As far as the eye can see, you've got the African savannas. Those are real. That's not green screen. 
really, for the most part, the only thing in the movie that's not real is that lion. And so that was something that I think makes it feel um, like an experience that you're in. That and Baltazar's decision to do long POV tracking shots throughout the film, the combination is what really puts you right in the movie, right? Right in the position of peril with the family. And so I just, uh, I'm proud of that. It was, you know, it wasn't an easy movie to make, but it's what's necessary. Uh, that attention to detail, I think, is what I hope audiences will appreciate. I I felt it was so visceral and, and those sweeping long shots of um, like tracking really made yeah. you feel like you were in the center. Yes. And I asked um, Baltazar the same question just to round off. Um, I had a two hour train journey to think about this. I was wing, uh, kind of whirling it around in my head and my answer is Orca. Um, if you were to put yourself um, in Nate's shoes, yes. which animal would be your worst nightmare to <laughs> confront? And your answer is an Orca whale? Yeah, yeah. Really? The, um, they play with their food. Um, oh boy. So they throw yeah. around seals and oh, yeah. You're not going to die quick. You're no, no, die. exactly. Oh, boy. So yeah. that, was, that was my answer. That was okay. kind of instant. Yeah. What did Baltazar say? Um, he was very much under the impression that it would be a lion, but he did mention that um, he didn't like snakes either. <laughs> um, I'll go shark. Shark. I'll go shark. Yeah. Because yeah, you see him coming, you see the fin, and you know that doom is approaching, <laughs> and, you know, you, you're not going to outswim it. I mean, what are you going to do? Right? Punch it in the nose? No, stop. You're going to die. That's just it no messing around. No, 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 absolutely not. So I, I think that would be my worst fear. Perfect. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for um having um giving me the opportunity to talk. To of course. You and yeah, I hope it went well. And it was yeah, great, man. Thank you. you. Were good. Yeah. Oh, thank brilliant. You. As I said at the top of this item, Beast is currently in UK cinemas. It released uh, just last Friday. It's been out in the US a little bit longer. If you haven't had a chance to watch this film yet, it is so much fun. It is absolutely a classic Hollywood survival movie. It's not a big think piece. Although there are some interesting uh, comments on kind of poaching and uh, the environment around these uh, South African game reserves. But really, it's just a fun 90 minutes of real high tension uh sort of edge of your seat nail biting stuff as this rabid lion chases idris elba and his poor daughters around the uh the plains of africa uh, elba does a really good job at kind of grounding the film and making it probably more more serious than perhaps it could be i saw it at a press screening a few nights ago and there were a few laughs and it, it is you know it's not a hundred percent serious it's still got that slightly melodramatic movie sensibility about it which it needs to to be successful i think but it is it's not really really schlocky and really cheesy it is it's still it, it's got scares there are sort of you know there's a couple of moments that i jumped and you know everyone that listens to this podcast knows how much i watch horror movies so the fact that it was able to make me jump means that there is you know there's still some really really great moments in this film it's it's not uh, a laugh out loud tongue-in-cheek survival movie the vfx as well so I don't believe that there are particularly any real lions in this, particularly obviously in the interactions and the, the I'm going to say quote unquote fight sequences. But the visual effects for the lion are absolutely outstanding. There is a scene quite early in the film where Shalto Copley's character is kind of roughhousing with some of the lions that he's helped raise on this reserve. And it is unbelievable that they are not real. 
they it's so so well done it's absolutely photorealistic some of the action sequences do stretch the budget a little bit and are you know quite i, I don't want to say quite clearly because it's not bad cgi it's it's there are moments where it's more obvious that it is not a real lion um but even in those moments, it's still incredibly convincing. So I think well worth checking out. Also a very interesting score from Stephen Price, who uh, was the composer for David Ayer's Suicide Squad movie. He was also the composer for Attack the Block in 2011 and Gravity in 2013. I'm pretty sure he also worked on some of the music for Baby Driver in 2017 as well. So quite an illustrious sort of career for him too. Um, and he makes a really interesting soundscape that goes along with these beautiful kind of landscapes of uh, of Africa that you get to see in the film. I won't say any more because it is a very simple, very straightforward kind of survival movie. So it's one to just go and enjoy. Just sit back, eat popcorn and get ready to jump a couple of times. But do go check out Beast while it's in UK cinemas now. Now, last episode, I mentioned a brand new DC Comics competition, which I wanted to reveal a little bit of news about. I have uh, been asked to save that for an episode next week. So I'm kind of shortening this pod so that we can do something a little bit more uh, exciting for you next week. But you can check out the details of that over on our social channels at the moment because it has just launched. It's quite an exciting little prize, actually. Uh, But more on that next episode. I'm going to cover off a couple of other things that I think you should be watching at the moment. There were a few things that we were going to review this episode if Boy Wonder was going to be here with me, but I want to save them for when he's able to talk about them. So we'll pick up more on House of the Dragon. Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3 has returned. We've seen the first episode so far. By the time we podcast again, we will have seen at least two episodes of it, so we'll be able to talk about that. But I have to say the first episode, uh, the season opener, is absolutely fantastic and if you are uh, a kind of star trek first contact fan which is my favorite star trek movie then there is so much to love in this latest episode so really excited for where season three is going to go if that season premiere is anything to go by sandman has just dropped some bonus episodes on netflix so if you've watched the 10 episode season there's now a bonus 11th that you can check out we are just at the end of that uh, so i want to chat about that a little bit more I've also been watching lots of Shudder movies because Halloween is upon us. So uh, I have been, I'm loading up my list as I'm speaking so I can tell you what I've been watching. There is, uh, oh no, Letterboxd isn't working. Uh, Okay, so I watched a film called um, Who Invited Them, which is absolutely excellent and streams on Shudder from September the 1st. That is a kind of game night style, slightly kind of comedy horror, which is... There's no major jump scares in it. It's just a really, really great kind of thriller film. I've watched another one called A Wounded Fawn, which is uh, definitely one for the art lovers out there. A bit more highbrow kind of horror. Very, very interesting. Very, very strong visuals. Another one called Dark Glasses, which is coming up soon. You can tell it's Halloween, so they're going all out. Uh, Dark Glasses is an Italian giallo horror, which is uh, it comes from a very, very legendary director whose name I'm going to have to look up, which is terrible. Dario Argento. can't believe I had to Google that. He also wrote uh, the screenplay with Franco Farini. Uh, you might know the name Dario Argento. He is, I believe he's 81 now. He directed some quite famous films, or well, also wrote some quite famous Italian horrors, including Phenomena, Opera, and Deep Red, which was released way back in 1975. Brilliant film. 
Shudder also have two really, really great documentary series which are coming up. I'm about halfway through watching 101 Scariest Moments in Horror, which is really brilliant. It's it's not just based on films which are available on the Shudder platform. It is literally looking across the entire genre, right back to the very, very early days. I mean, things like Nosferatu are even included in there, looking and kind of charting the 101 greatest moments in horror. There's some really great talking head moments in that as well. And then very similar documentary called Queer for Fear, which is looking at the history of horror through the lens of kind of queer characters, queer creators, artists, directors, all that stuff. And just documenting the history of the genre from that angle, which is a really, really interesting series to watch as well. All things which I think you should be putting on your watch list. But that is it for this episode. I'm keeping it brief. We will be back hopefully next week with a full episode with Boy Wonder back at the helm. And we will be diving deep into some of the titles I've just been talking about. So until then, stay safe, stay well, and we will see you soon. Bye!